Welcome to the Pantheon Plus Rewind. Happy Sunday, everybody, and welcome to episode 27 of the Rewind. If this is your first time listening, the show features all the news and community discussion that we could find over the last week for the upcoming MMORPG Pantheon Rise of the Fallen. Not only will we cover the news, but we'll also take your questions and answer them the best we can in our mailbox segment to wrap up the show. I also want to make sure everyone knows that if you don't want to watch this show on YouTube, but instead take it with you, you can download every episode on either Spotify or iTunes. As is custom, I am joined by my one and only elven friend, Theric, (laughs) because quite frankly, there's no way I could do this without him. Now, Theric, something important here. We have four segments today. So I'm going to need you to keep track of them and not hold up four fingers after we finish today, okay? So so anyway, <laughs> what's going on, man? How are you? You know what? I I may be getting old, but I'm I'm still not too old to not know when the show is over. When the show is over, I will walk away and not think that there's another play still to be made. So unlike some aging quarterbacks that shall remain nameless, but um that so, nameless I, quarterback, do you think all of a sudden his system is going to have a memory increasing uh, thing you can do? <laughs> <laughs> I think he needs an upgrade. I don't know what what his deal is, but yeah, no. So I'm in a good mood because of that very reference. There was a good night last night on on uh, Thursday night football. Um, but other than that, yeah, like I'm doing well, man. Actually, it's been a it's been a pretty busy week for me. Um, just trying to sort of get things with work and I'm actually busy trying to avoid uh, spoilers for Baldur's Gate 3 as well. <laughs> I've been doing everything I can to sort of dodge and weave out of the the trailers and the, the pictures and the stuff people are sharing on, on social media about this game because I'm like not doing early access. I'm waiting till it comes out fully and then I'll dive in. So it's been tiring, but I'm going to I'm going to do it. Yeah, I jumped on it. You know how I am. If there's hype yeah. and it's something I'm interested in, I'm going to jump in quick. But uh I'm going to be one of the few people I've only played through the intro scene and uh, the game's going to have to do a little bit more to grab me if I'm going to be completely honest, but we'll see. We'll see what happens. Nice. Nice. Anyways, cool. let's uh, jump into this week's episode. Yeah, let's go. This week in Visionary Realms news and notes. Okay, so we always start with social media recaps for uh, VR Direct. And the first thing they did is uh, I did want to give a shout out to anyone listening, especially because it's tonight as you're listening to this. It was announced that Joppa is going to be a part of a stream on the Twitch channel called Theory Forge. Now, that's going to be again today, October 11th at 9 p.m. Eastern. It'll be over on twitch.tv forward slash Theory Forge. And it's going to be an interview on all things Pantheon. This kind of came out of nowhere and was a pretty big surprise. So anytime we can hear Joppa talking Pantheon, I think it's well worth it. And he continues to kind of get out there and, and jump on different interviews and podcasts and things like that, which I think is only good for getting the word out about Pantheon. So I'm excited to see what's discussed there. And if I'm not mistaken, he or someone from VR uh, did an interview with them a very long time ago. So it's kind of like a nice little catch up interview, if I'm not mistaken. That's kind of cool. I'd never heard of them before, but uh, I'm, I'm excited to uh, to tune in and check it out. I don't know anything about them, but uh, anytime anytime you can hear Joppa talk about the game, I'm I'm in. Yeah, and on top of that, it looks like um, they're also big fans of Ashes of Creation. So a lot of their channel is around Ashes. Um, so it'd be interesting to see what they think of where Pantheon's at and what Joppa ends up talking about with them. So definitely worth checking out again tonight, 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Twitch. So let's get into their Twitter uh, usual community uh, polls, questions, debates, 
And the first one, I'm not going to lie. I'll get into more detail about this at the end, but it's a confusing question to me. Maybe (laughs) I'm overthinking this so much it's crazy, but the community debate was, are you a fan of hunting and MMORPGs? And if so, explain why. So we're going to start with a fellow Pantheon Plus member and uh, Pantheon Crafters founder, Nafel. And he says, hunting should be encouraged as a means of gathering meats, hides, etc. for use in crafting. However, there should be skills or even special gameplay that govern or influence what you get from a kill. Reasons? <clears throat> Immersion <laughs> and ensuring economic <laughs> scarcity. We're going to let that slide. It's too early in the episode. And the next one is from William Holt. He says, I can see it now. I stock a buck for like five minutes when all of a sudden some Yahoo just passing by scares the deer away. That or the deer stays and gets stolen because it's just a wild type critter and dies in one shot. I like the idea of hunts, but I don't know how it would work in practice. I'm very much so on the side of William here, uh, but we'll, we'll get into that again in a little bit. Uh, Pantheon VOT, the Voices of Terminus, says... It would add a whole level of uh, gameplay to the genre. Instead of just killing a deer or a wolf, hunting it for its meat or its pelt as a trade skill would be a nice change of pace rather than just killing it and having loot. Disposalist Mm -hmm. said, would be interesting to see hunting treated like a monster mastery skill that improves with use of kills and things like that and yields crafting resources and sellables. So rarity, quantity, and worth depending on luck and skill level. I mean, anything can be hunted, though, right? Dot, dot, dot. (laughs) That's a good point. Um, JJ says, if you mean hunting for materials, it's something I can only do when I'm bored and want to change a pace. If you mean hunting for targets like a daily weekly bounty, then yes, I'm a big fan of it. It adds more content to do as long as the bounties don't repeat often. Interesting. Kind of interesting. Yeah, kind of kind of the other side of the coin from what the, the last two responses were talking about. Yeah, and that's where I said, like, it's kind of like, like, where was this meant to be versus where we mm. took it? <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. Uh, Breakout, he says, uh, definitely an intriguing idea. However, a lot of MMORPGs have it set up where items like meat drop off of mobs no matter who kills it. If that's how it's set up, then I see it almost as a moot point to include it as a profession. If changed, I can see the potential. So he's kind of mm. saying, like, if, if I'm not a hunter and I go kill a deer then I'm not going to get meat. But if I am a hunter, I can get that special meat. And I guess like hunting could tie into like cooking or leatherworking or however you want to do it. It's it's interesting. Yeah, Yeah, that's exactly. I had some thoughts on that, sort of thinking along those same lines a little bit. I'll talk about it a bit, but that's sort of how I was looking at it too. Excellent. So Nate W says, having alternate ways to gain experience in the game, hunting, fishing, farming, etc., could add a whole level of immersion <clears throat> that seems to be I'm, lost I'm in modern <laughs> modern MMOs. I think Star Wars Galaxy did great with this before the NGE hit and changed it all. Oh, the dreaded new game experience. <laughs> <laughs> and when I, I, I think I just right. nailed it. I just nailed it. I'm, woo, I'm, I can't First have time. you on the show anymore because I'm never going to be able to do that again. <laughs> Leaving um, on a high note. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. We're, that's, congratulations on being on the show. This is your last time. No, I'm just kidding. Um, she, they say, definitely. If implemented correctly, I think it'd be a great addition to general skills, hunting and trapping. I've always enjoyed forging and gathering, forging and gathering, and fishing. It seems that hunting could be in the same vein. If so, then it would be a relaxing pastime for me. So Andre Labont says, unless associated with a trade skill or a housing trophy collection, I see no point. 
the, I like look the at this trophy name. collection. Yeah, this name, it's not their at, but this is one that could like rival some of the ones we've called out. This is for the waffle lock. Great. Right? Great. I yeah. mean, Twitter I don't know. Hall of Fame. Yeah, you're you're in it. You're in the uh the Twitter name Hall of Fame on Pantheon Plus Rewind. <laughs> Um, he says it would be interesting if hunting weren't just limited to normal things we would think of, especially for some races hunting humanoids or non-traditional mobs for skin bones or other. It's creepy. (laughs) I think it makes me think of that. There's a quote. I don't remember what show it was from, but it's like, what are we hunting? It's like the most dangerous game of all. (laughs) It's like other people. It's like, oh my God. Nice. And then finally, uh, for the responses to this one, it's uh, princess Ruto. They said, I'm a fan of hunting due to the immersion in MMOs. That's crazy how much this word coming up today. In MMOs, depending on how well it's done, like sneaking, waiting, baiting, etc. But I'd rather be a trapper, tamer, collector and sell eggs or living creatures or partake in animal husbandry rather because even in video games, I love animals. It's actually an interesting take. I know a lot of games are doing the the husbandry thing as of. Mm-hmm. Like that's been yeah, a, a lot of breeding and stuff like that. Yeah. yeah it's, it's been like uh, Hey, this is what we're going to do. Yeah. It's, it's an interesting take. Okay. So, so let me give you the rundown for me here. Then I'm curious to see what you thought. So this was an interesting, confusing topic. As I kind of said, my first thought was, okay, we're talking about some kind of gathering system where you're not just killing what you see, but you're doing it in a special way to harvest special parts. Like, is there a way to kill a deer in a way that isn't typical combat? to be able to get what you need? Like, are we just killing a hundred or something and getting some sort of hunting skill up? Um, are we filling some sort of a leveled hunting skill book of animal knowledge to gain better materials? The more we kill, um, overall the topic was just a confusing one. And you can see that in a lot of the responses sort of went all over the place on what people were envisioning. Um, like when they said, do you like hunting? I'd say a vast majority of it was tied to, to crafting our trade skills for the most part. And I think that's probably where the sweet spot is. What is odd though, is if you're taking down like crazy difficult enemies and then you have to do something special to kill a deer, that sort of feels a little strange to me. Yeah, yeah definitely. <laughs> it, right. Unless it's played off as like doing it in a way that would preserve the deer or something for harvest. Like, cause obviously if you just threw a massive fireball at a deer and killed it in one shot, well, maybe it means you burned it to a crisp and can't harvest <laughs> the pieces you need. <laughs> I don't know if that's considered hunting. <laughs> yeah, that, exactly. So like if it has to be some kind of precision thing so that you're not overkilling the materials you need, um, then does that mean you have hunting gear that's like outside of how your class plays? Like where you would need a fishing rod to fish, you'd have to have like a special bow or something mm-hmm. to hunt. Like do you have to set traps and use special tools? Again, it just, it goes a lot of ways like from how kind of open this question was. Um, I personally don't mind like an animal journal that allows you to kill X to gain more knowledge. Or maybe once you kill X, you get certain materials. It's something you could do on the side and that's not bad, but I think there's a lot to be considered when making a full system out of like killing them regularly. Right. Like it's, Mm -hmm. I don't know. It's, kind of weird so ultimately i'm not so sure where i stand and what the intended like question is here although Mm -hmm. i'm not sure i really would want a survival style system in place with like trapping different gear etc so i don't know i'm not a big crafter so it doesn't surprise anybody i'm sure that i'm not like "Eh, i don't know (laughs) um but Theric, like what are your thoughts on this 
Yeah, it could basically be its own game, right? Like it could, you could make a whole <laughs> MMO could just be a hunting game. It actually made me think of Monster Hunter World um, yep. or the Monster Hunter series of games in general because um, that's sort of what this is all about, right? And that's what that's what those games are very heavy on the getting, you know, materials, getting monster parts to do certain things. Um, I love hunting in games. I, I do. I mean, I like, like you said, there's, there's, you've got to differentiate it between adventure killing and like hunting, hunting where you're actually going for the, for the materials. Because I think of hunting, I think of like, you know, going after rare spawns, you know, hunting down bandits, dragon hunting, that kind of thing. And I think we're talking about something a little different here. Um, you know, I liked what you said about you have to have the right, um, means of killing them like through a bow or a snare or something like that uh i think you you have to you can't use like dwarven you know technology or like guns or like any kind of steampunk weapons or anything like that i think that's wouldn't fit into a hunting um sort of way of going about things um so i like it it's just yeah it's like you said it's it's a whole set of systems that could be unto itself and maybe doesn't quite it's not different enough from what you're doing in an mo anyway right <laughs> so yeah that's sort of yeah. where I land. Yeah, it's like uh, I can go kill this deer by stabbing it in the face, but I'm not going to be able to get a hunting point on it because I didn't, you know, pierce it through the heart with a special hunting bow or something. I don't know. Yeah, 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 exactly. So, yeah, it's a little bit little bit of a obtuse question, but um, kind of fun, fun to yeah, think about. fun. I guess I'm just really overthinking it. People are just like, yeah, here's what I do. Like, and I'm like, ah, <laughs> That's what we do on this show. We overthink things. That's we okay. overthink a lot of things. So let's jump yeah. to the next one before we continue to overthink that one. <laughs> um, so I, I don't know. We kind of had a similar question to this, right? But it, it mm-hmm. is different and it is tied into sort of what we talked about when we talked about is pug a dirty word. Um, I know that was asked in our mailbox not too long ago. So the question was, would you rather be the tank healer or support or the DPS for a pug in a brand new dungeon and why? So we've, we've been asked like, what's your favorite role? What's the most important role? But in this, it's like, okay, you're in a pug. You don't know your group. You're in a new dungeon. What, what do you want to be? <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, right. So let's go through some of the responses. We have Chobin Hood said for new dungeons, a healer dungeons may change. Enemies may change, but healing generally stays the same. Red bar goes down. No, red bar goes up. (laughs) It lets me keep lookout and learn the dungeon during fights without worrying about tunnel vision. DPS on the second run for sure, though, he says. That's a good point. Uh, Kratuk says, uh, tank or healer? Always fun to lead a new expedition, even when it ends in disaster. But as a healer, I get to really test my ability to keep people alive in the unknown. Good times. Be honest, all positions are fun, but those two are generally my top two. Rebecca S. says healer. If they become rude or abrasive, you just let them die. It's <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> pretty good. Yeah, that's that's one way to start off the uh, the, the pug in the new dungeon. <laughs> right? That's I love it. I think that's great. Um, yeah. Blafer says heal. Always my main, and I guess that'll never change. And as a ranged class, you can look at all the beauty of the dungeon way better. <laughs> so I like that too. Agreed. Kind of the second person is that standing in the back, let you kind of see more, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Strieg says uh, healer because I, I got to be me. Plus, if everything goes bad, then I can heal or res myself. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, Smart. Yeah. The only other option I would come close would be if I played a fiend death class. That's, yeah. That's really taking the taking the safe, uh, the safe approach when you have an uh, unknown new yeah. dungeon, unknown pug. Yeah. Take the safe approach. You just play a monk. Your whole group dies. You just... Yeah. Okay, guys, yeah. I'm here. When you're ready, come back and get me. That's right. 
Um, Alicera says heals or a caster DPS usually. I like any role that stands in the back doing things. I also love using spells. So another person who kind of likes to be away from it. Furious Pierre makes a comeback this week and he says tank. That way I can pull quickly. Oh, right. He's furious. He's furious. He's furious. Furiously he pulling. Pull quickly. Yeah. Furiously yeah. pulling. <laughs> <laughs> Sylvia de Barber says, I love being a tank, but it can seriously suck sometimes. And you can spend a lot of time dead if you get linked up with the wrong group. Yep. Uh, David Pryor, Dave Pryor says, this is super tricky. On a recent return to WoW, I discovered how vile some of the community has become with regards to dungeon grinding. It's full speed, no mistakes, or you get abuse. In that environment, DPS is the safest. Hopefully, Pantheon Rise of the Fallen can fix this, in which case, tank. <laughs> Fully thought out. Yeah. A Pity says Monk, because I can move forward with my Rogue Scout and learn to break the camps and bring fresh kills to my team. Hmm. Like he likes pulling. Uh, mm-hmm. Coach MV Castro says Tank, so I can lead. Uh, Plastically Eve says Healer, but it depends on the pug. If they're abusive when anyone dies because we have a tank who can't hold aggro off a wizard who pulls a room with a nuke, I'm going to peace out fast. (laughs) Peace out. (laughs) Peace out. Uh, Zed says uh, tank because you have the most control of any role so you can carry the rest of the team if you have to. And finally, Kevin says healer all day, baby. Making those clutch moments come to life is what I live for. So Mm -hmm. good stuff there. So as I said before, we had a we we similarly talked about this on the rewind. Um, but again, it, it, relating to that role of like being in a pug really does change the question a little bit here. Um, so previously, it just kind of asked what your favorite role, what you thought the most important role was. Um, and again, what, you know, adding pug, different dimension. But uh, I'm sure some people are going to stick with their same answer due to that being their main, and their main is their main, right? Like somebody even said that up front. Yeah. So. But I also think um, a large group of people would consider their favorite role when thinking about random people and toxicity and, you know, what previous games felt like in a pug, I guess you'd say. Um, mm-hmm. And like I said, we talked about pugs on the rewind where it was this pug a bad word. Um, so long winded explanation. But here's my take. Previously, um, just picking my favorite role, I said how much I love tanking due to the leading aspect. That's exactly why I think I'm good also playing this role in a pug. Even in a group that contains toxic members, most people will see the tank as a leader as long as they are competent. That said, as the tank is harder to find, most DPS, even if they start to be toxic, can be calmed down. People will realize a strong tank pretty quickly, and I think it calms people's nerves when a solid leader takes charge. Most people in a pug don't want added responsibility, so taking the load off of them, I think, can bring people together a little bit more, and I think the tank is the easiest to pull this off. The other piece that I'd add to that too is typically if the tank and healer can forge at least a common bond of understanding, it's pretty easy to lead the group at that point. Um, Theric, what are your thoughts on this? Um, you know what? I wouldn't even put it into one specific role. I'm going to say the role that I want to play in this type of scenario is the one I feel most confident in. It doesn't matter if that's tanking, DPS, healing, or whatever. You know, because in a pug, the, the key thing in a pug is that... You, feel confident in your ability to speak and to sort of, you know, to not be um, afraid to take the lead if necessary or to settle, you know, some sort of dysfunction that's going on. I think that's the key. And that's why pugs get this, you know, like we talked about before, they're sort of a dirty word. They get this bad reputation because you often get these 
awkward situations where people, nobody really wants to sort of step up. And if you're confident in your class and you're confident in your role, you have that on your side um, when the time comes and you need to, you need to say something or you need to be the, the voice of reason in the group. And, you know, this is what makes pugs challenging is, is, is this kind of unfamiliarity with people leading to like these dysfunctional groups and lack of communication is almost always at the core of those kinds of dysfunction. I mean, you know, not always, but I think it's safe to say that when you have good communication, if that's your role you're playing allows you to be that communicator, you're, you're going to have a better time with a pug than, than, uh, maybe uh, if you're playing a class that you're not as comfortable with. So yeah, I, w- I would sort of frame it that way. Yeah, no, it makes sense. Well, that's it for us today on the VR news and notes. When the Pantheon community speaks, we listen. So let's dig okay, into social so media and see what the discussion is about. Is all about. The recent VIP developer roundtable that was released to the public on October 2nd. And this month featured a roundtable from Michael Butler, who is the customer service manager for VR, uh, answering questions about pledges and rewards for backers. Now, before we get to the discussion, this roundtable actually caused a bit of a stir a bit. because it seemed like what's that? <laughs> a bit, yeah. a bit of a stir. Yeah. yeah, it caused a bit of a stir. It's sort of an understatement. I mean, there were a lot of negative comments. I mean, be honest about it. There was a lot of negative sort of uh, community feedback about this, and uh, some people felt it was advertising. Some people felt there was like some talking about like broken promises of pledges, both of which completely were not the case. You know, if you listen to the entire thing, but I think that's part of the problem we'll talk about in a second is that there wasn't a lot of, they didn't listen to the whole thing or there was just a lot of headline sort of reading and that was it. And, you know, it's kind of a funny thing because we always ask for transparency from companies, um, but that's a double-edged sword sometimes. And in my opinion, I think that's what was going on here because I found this roundtable to be, you know, very honest and forthright acknowledgement from uh, Michael that, you know, a lot of areas, there are some challenges and some serious issues that VR faces when it comes to uh, fulfilling some of the backer promises, especially the ones from way back in the day, right? In the community discussion, what I decided to do was take some of the comments from the, from the you know, various places on Reddit or on the PantheonMMO.com and, and try to dig into a few of the points because we have to understand what exactly they're talking about, I think, to get past some of the negative stuff that was uh, the negative vibe that was out there. So some of the questions that came up were like, how does VR deal with pledge rewards that don't really align with the tenets of Pantheon as they stand today? You know, what constitutes a pay to win reward? And basically how might pledge rewards be implemented closer to launch? So I've gone through this and, and coupled them together. So I've coupled the comments with some of the responses from the roundtable by Michael that, that sort of answer that question and give some insights. So hopefully this is helpful and hopefully this is sort of informative if you didn't get a chance to listen to the roundtable, but also just to sort of debrief some of the negative comments that were out there about this. Cause I feel like it was a little bit uh, too much and uh, we'll get to the, you know, a few more comments about that at the end. But um, so here's the first few comments. And these were about early uh, rewards that were offered early on in development and are now causing issues. So for example, Michael gave um, an example where some of the physical rewards that they talked about and a couple of the in-game items. So over on the forums, um, Mathir had a comment. He said, is it not possible to simply buy out the problematic early rewards or at least individual aspects of these pledges? You do what is best for the long-term health of the game. Just try and find a fairish way to do it. You can put value on something and roll it over into script, into subscription time or something like uh, a la carte pledge items. But then there were also some people that had an opposite opinion about that and disagreed. So Chenzim said, no, a pledge is a promise. Some people may think it's okay to change or even break promises when it suits them. 
But if a company starts doing that, how can anyone trust them to deliver what they say they're going to do? No, pledges are paramount, no matter how awkward they are to implement. People showed trust handing over money, and trust has to be repaid or renegotiated uh, so both parties are happy. And Doherty agreed with that to some extent. I don't think quite as strongly, but did say, if you promise to give someone something, you give it to them, unless the game never releases and somebody else takes over, and then they can do whatever they want. I'm going to stop you for one second, because it's an interesting point, right? That's a really good uh, buyout thing that uh, Matthew said. Yeah. You know, it's interesting to me because with the exception of like the access to like the, the alpha beta tier that I'm in or like the one you'll laugh, but some that are really important to me are like the early name reservation and <laughs> um, early character creation. Like those, those are Very really important. Yeah. Those are all I care about. If they <laughs> yeah. took every other reward and turned it into subscription time, I would love it. I'd, I'd, I'd absolutely yeah. love it. Like, I don't know how much that would equal, but like, I don't know. It's really funny to me because, and we're probably going to get into this more, so I'm not going to go on and on here, but like people talk about these items in like these pledges that like, oh, well, you know, this, this cloak or this thing, it's going to be awesome. Like it better be important and I better be able to shut. I have bought, I have so many collector's editions of games that give you those things and I don't even care about them. Like they ever, don't, I, I never wear them ever. They'll rot in a lot of times because I never <laughs> throw anything away. They sit in my bank, taking up space for years because yeah. I don't want to delete it just in case. I, I just, you know, it's really That's, interesting to me that these hardcore players that really get into these small details, like they, they use yeah. these things all the time. Like they literally like two years from now, they're going to be wearing their black rose keep hood. Like it's so I, true. It's so true. I mean, you're hundred percent right. I, it's, it's funny because we, we just, we get so hung up on these little details and uh, you're right. We were going to talk about it a little more in a second, but yeah, like yeah, I, I've done the same thing. I have collector's items from collectors, you know, or, you know, early reward type items. And it's like, who cares? You get them. They're good for a week, maybe. It's like, and then you've got something better by that time anyway. So who gives, you know, and in this community, nobody wants any stats or any advantage on it. So it's going to be a useless item. It's going to just look neat for the five days that you have it and everybody else has it in that year. And then you're not going to want to wear it anymore. All right, go ahead. We'll talk about that more. I'm sure. (laughs) No, but I think you're right too about, I think Matthew's point, I liked it as well. He said, you know, about buying or buying out some of the difficult early uh, rewards. I think that's a really good idea. And I think that they could, they could do something with that if they so chose. Um, so another, one of the other issues that was discussed was uh, how a lot of the cosmetic items haven't really been fleshed out in terms of both appearance or function, because there are some that aren't just cosmetic. They actually do do something. Yeah. Uh, things like the Tunic of the Ages, Robe of the Black Rose, um, and a couple of the bags they talked about. Now, the bags are the ones that do something. And Michael talked about how he's working with the design team to get these done and acknowledged, you know, of course, the priority for them is building the game, right? Not making these these little incidental items. Wait, you're but- telling me that they're not, they're going to finish the game before they decide <laughs> how many items you can put in this free bag? That's ridiculous. And people, <laughs> and some people freaked out, right? Some people were really upset about this, saying like, oh, you know, how could they, you know, how could they not have this figured out by now? And it's like, what? Uh, uh, but some people did have a voice reason. So, so somebody uh, walking. Listen, listen, here's the thing. You know, this show, our community, Pantheon Plus. You know, we may not agree with what everybody has to say, but I do think it's important to say, like, if you have that opinion, that's fine. But please understand that while we we value you having the opinion, we're going to react to it. Like, don't get upset when I laugh or I just sigh at something because 
you're valid in having these points and, and I'm not saying I'm better and I'm, I know Theric isn't, but it's just like when you're yeah. at this point of a hill to die on, like, wow. Yeah. What well, I mean, uh, I don't know. yeah, I know what you mean. You're right. I mean, and I, if I didn't respect the opinion in and of itself, I wouldn't include it here. I mean, I include both sides. Right. So I, I do want to give these people who had a problem with this, you know, I want to voice their, their uh, thoughts on it. And um, that's what I'm about to do here too, as well. So the first person who, you know, was sort of um, not opposed to, uh, to this said, you know, there's a lot of pledge rewards. This is walking waste. He said, there's not a lot of, there are a lot of pledge rewards that are still being designed and created. Seems like a big issue for lots of people, but wasting time on cosmetic items seems like a waste of resources for a small development team. So I'm fine with them focusing their energy on developing the game rather than cosmetic items. Now, the people who disagreed with it, there was two of them. And first person said, the problem is the lack of specificity. They should know exactly how cosmetic items should function at this point. And then somebody else said, what gets me is that anything to do with in-game items that are part of the pledge, he has no idea about. So like pets, bags, or illusions, he didn't know. However, he did know how to answer all the questions about how to upgrade your pledge. So this goes back to what I was saying earlier about, you know, sort of the focus. People thought it was just over-advertising. And it's like, well, that's... This is a crowdfunded game, right? They have they better know how to deal with pledges first before they know how to deal with pets, bags, and illusions, right? Like, it yeah, and, and just to b- before you jump into the next part here, like you know, if people don't understand what the VIP roundtables are, like Kilson gets somebody from VR on the, the roundtable. They talk a little bit about what they're working on, and then it is completely one hundred percent questions asked from the VIP community. So yeah. like these aren't like they didn't make a pre-script to try to advertise and sell something. They're literally answering questions that people have. So like, yeah. do you want them just to say, no, we're not going to answer these questions? Like, or do, do you want them to be honest? Like it's, yeah. it comes to like you were talking about before, like what level of clarity is acceptable? And when you have the clarity, is it a good or a bad thing? <laughs> Yeah, right. Or do you want some sort of like prepackaged marketing speech? Because, you know, yeah, this you, wasn't that, even though some people that, think it yeah. is, it wasn't, it was very truthful and honest. So I know anyway. Yeah. So like that's, and so there was actually, and there was information if people, you know, listened to the whole thing and sort of, and, and paid attention because what Michael did say is that um, there are some things they've, they've decided. So like bags, they're probably all going to have the same amount of slots. Um, he talked about how illusion items are actually being worked on, and they actually want community input for that, right? Which is pretty cool. One of the items in the pledge rewards is um, there's item renaming vouchers, and that can be challenging. That's one of those challenging ones that he talked about. And he said, you know, they're thinking of that, like any items you rename are going to be visible only to you, which makes sense. And of course, there's going to be like filters for stupidity. <laughs> <laughs> and then lastly, he actually said the name an NPC reward is actually in the game already. So, right. So it's not like there's nothing done. There's stuff done here. And then the last piece I want to talk about is the pay to win thing. So there was some discussion about, um, so he talked about, they're very cognizant of which rewards cross the line into that pay to win category. And, um, you know, things like pets, how does the pet interact? What do they do? And they want to make sure that it doesn't offer any sort of in-game advantage because Pantheon has been very against this mentality for a long time. But like I said earlier, the, the backpack and the bag, um, are two specific ones that are um, they're talking about, and they don't know if weight reduction falls into that category yet. Again, very honest and upfront about that, trying to figure it out. A couple of comments from around the places said, um, some general reb said something like there was a horse in one of the uh, early, early Kickstarter rewards, I think. Um, if you just put no run speed on it, make it visual only, you know, something like that. 
echolocation eight said, it's not an advantage. You aren't paying to win anything. If the metric for paying to win is like, I start with five gold more than other people. <laughs> you know, I think that's the point. I think at that point, we're thoroughly stretching the phrase pay to win to be pedantic towards VR. And it's 100% I love right. that. I think that kind of lines up with what we were saying before. Like, at what point are you digging so hard to make yeah. a negative point? Starting with five gold more than somebody else. Like, <laughs> oh no, oh my God, it's such an advantage. Anyone who's um, upset, then, once I have five gold, I'll give it to you. <laughs> yeah, that's right. You can have my, my pay to win five gold. <laughs> um, but a couple people, again, disagreed. Um, and they weren't, I, these weren't really strong disagrees because I think people aren't totally unreasonable about this. But they did say like, you know, that's why they give rewards because they offer an advantage. This is what somebody said. I'm just sort of paraphrasing it. But, um, you know, if, if, if it's something more than cosmetic, you know, um, it does offer some sort of advantage. And then, um, but then I think walking waste, who I quoted earlier, sort of wrapped it up and just said, you know, looking at your pledging to the game, it's not about um, an in-game bag or it's not about any cosmetics. You know, you're giving this money not to get those things. You're giving this money to support the development of the game. At the end of the day, those are all just sort of like, you know, perks, whatever. So if we gave out awards, mindset. walking waste, you'd get out an award from minus because I totally agree. Like. Yeah, it's a pledge. This isn't an early access package. This is a pledge to help development. Like, yeah, exactly. There's people that are never going to change their opinion. And I'm not trying to. I just like compartmentalize your rage. What's worth raging on? And if if everything gets you upset, then nothing gets you upset. It's like everything <laughs> can't be a priority because the definition of priority means it's more important. So like, like what are your priorities as being a pledger? If your priority is the pledge to get the game money and developed, then that should be the most important thing. Not some item that holds some extra stuff. Like most of the time we're going to be putting stuff in the bank anyway, because if we die, it stays on our corpse. So (laughs) what if I lose my pledge reward by by leaving it on my corpse and I don't get my You fall in lava (laughs) and you're, you die and it was on your corpse. And guess what? Your pledge reward's gone. So oh, there no, you go. I can never All this get fuss. It again. All this fuss so, for nothing. Your your six <laughs> slot bag instead of my five slot bag. You just lost your advantage. <laughs> that's right. Oh man, that's funny. <sighs> yeah. Okay. So I mean, I, I won't I won't talk too much more about this. I feel like we've given our I've given my opinion throughout this. I I don't need to sort of say any more. But um, <laughs> I just I really I really wanted to diffuse this this thing a little bit because I think it got a little out of hand and I saw tweets and all kinds of stuff like it's a waste of time to listen to it and it's just not you know. There was there was other stuff too that he talked about. I want to mention too. He you know that he Michael is advocating for like a pledging option, like an a la carte. You know where you can mm-hmm. pick and choose the rewards you want. You know, and a couple of things that are coming in, in the new website when they update to the 2.0 website that they've talked about. Um, this is one of the things that he's advocating to have done there. And he also talked about guild pledges, which is kind of a cool idea. It wasn't exactly clear what that is, but it sounds like something where you you and your guild would you know get some sort of pledge together and then there would be something attached to that who knows oh man if you could start the game with your guild created already and not have to go through that hassle that would be awesome how about as a pledge reward (laughs) yeah totally i think that's phenomenal and i think that that's community facing yeah yeah no that's that's some cool stuff good idea yeah so anyway i've said my piece and i hope that was helpful for people minus is there anything else you wanted to add on top of that do you have any other thoughts about this whole thing Uh, it's it's a messy subject because like, I do understand the people who say like, if I pledged because of this being in the tier, then how could you take it away from me? That's a, it's totally valid. Like I get it. Mm-hmm. Like if I pledge to get, you know, this is way over top, but if I pledge because I wanted pre alpha and 
early name reservation. And that's why I paid the money. And I got pre-alpha, but they took away my ability to get the name minus and I couldn't be minus in game. I'd be pissed about that. So I guess there's people who like I value early name reservation or early character creation. They value, you know, this bag or, Mm -hmm. you know, whatever it is. And, And I get it. Like, I'm not trying to poo poo that. I'm not trying to say that it's less important than what I think is important. But at the end of the day, like, I just think that there's too many pledge tiers. Personally, I think that you should have one pledge tier for each level and then add-ons that you can add on to any tier. I, I just, and I know that it's already been in development for however long and there's been pledges for however long, but I think that that buyout idea is freaking genius. Like I would have never thought of that. Like, just like, is anyone really going to want a bag over, you know, two months of game time or whatever it might be, you yeah. know? Um, yeah. I think that there's a really good way to do that. That could really benefit. Like I'd love to just have, you know, pre-alpha access, um, early name reservation, early character creation, and then 10 months of game time. Like, that'd be yeah. awesome. Like, I'd be totally cool <laughs> with that. You know, um, but it's it's tough. And like I said, I, I don't want to go on forever about this. I know it got a lot of negative vibes and the comments were nasty. And it was nasty. Like, there's a difference between being concerned and voicing criticism. The nasty stuff, I'm never going to, I don't know. I guess, like, I just res- don't respect, like, someone who can't be mature about something. Yeah. And the thing is, is this is a guy who gave up some time to answer questions that were asked of him by the community. This was a community, you know, round table and he was honest. I mean, he's not making crap up. And I think that there should be value in that. Personally, you may not always like the information you're going to hear, but I think honesty is important. So I don't know. That's just my point on it. That that's a great way to summarize it. Great way to uh, sort of wrap, put a bow on it. And I will, uh, I will leave it there. So Cool. Um, okay, so introductions this week. Uh, two uh, two new in, new people on the forums came uh, by and stopped by and introduced themselves. Uh, first up was uh, Blurry Face. Said, "Hey all, I've been out of the gaming scene for many years. I really love playing EQ from two thousand to, to, to two thousand and eight. He said, "I started on Sullen Zek and absolutely want to stick with PvP. Being away from games in general for so long, I have no one to play with in my circle of friends. But watching videos and reading about this game has brought back some good memories, and I can't wait to make some new ones." I was always big on raiding, grouping, and all that old school stuff, not just P- not just PvP. Anyways, I'm just going to continue to rant on, but I'm 36. I live in Cali, and I'll see you out there. And Man, I like his name. I don't know if you know this. Blurry face? I say, yeah, it's, do you ever hear this? It's like, my name's Blurry Face, and I oh. care what you think. It's uh, 21 <laughs> Pilots. Uh, no, I have no idea what that song is. Okay. Well, well I sang it exactly it. like he does, like as good as he did and everything. I don't know how you couldn't have realized it. Anyway, go ahead. Hopefully you don't get like a, a content claim on YouTube. Oh, for your man. Yeah, that so, it's so close to the original. I know. Good. Yeah, yeah I hear you. Uh, Avagar said, been lurking around for a while now. I started in EQ days. still remember my first day. I just made characters and ran around like an idiot, scoping everything out. Then I ran out to East Commons. I saw Griffin. Oh, let's get a closer look. Why am I laying on the ground? Couldn't wait to level up and kill that guy. I did, played EQ for years, raided too much, and then uh, played EQ2 for years as well. I've been jumping around ever since. Uh, these days, games are just too easy. You can max level without ever needing a group, and that's not fun. Everything's handed to you. I liked it when you had to work for it. Stock through a zone with dread of being jumped. So here is to hoping I get my shaman back, and so far, it's looking great. 
So welcome to both of you guys, Avagar and uh, Blurry Face. And uh, that will wrap it up for this week's community discussions. Let's talk content creator updates and new additions to Pantheon. Okay, so let's talk about content creator news first and the content that's been added so far to Pantheon. And as I say that, we're going to talk about voice as a terminus first. So as of recording this, unfortunately, this episode of EOT has not yet been put on YouTube. But um, as soon as it is, and maybe even by this recording, you guys will see it up on Pantheon.plus, or you can check the links down below to go to their YouTube page. Um, so what they did is they had an opportunity to talk about their experience in PA5 testing, as VR granted them the ability to lift the NDA a bit. So very similar to how we were able to talk about it on the Rewind here. So that's that's exciting. I think people love that kind of thing. So if you didn't get to see that live on Twitch, like I said, it should be up on YouTube, uh, hopefully by the time you're hearing this. If not, just kind of keep checking in. We'll have it on Pantheon.plus as soon as it comes up as well. So if you want to hear their experience, uh, check that out for sure. Uh, Nathan, he actually put out a cleric and a dire lord class guide based on the updated website information. And he kind of goes through all the spells and talks about the classes. And the one thing that's really awesome about Nathan, aside from like that he makes you laugh all the time, when he gets serious, this guy has a vast knowledge of MMORPGs, uh, Pantheon, fantasy. Like, so he gives a lot of good insight on how he thinks the classes are going to play. And there's a lot of value to that. So check those out if you like class videos, you like talking about classes, they're pretty good. But if you're if you're trying to stay away from Baldur's Gate three information, probably uh, if edit you're you're looking at his channel a little bit, maybe just skip over a couple because he's got a lot of Baldur's Gate three stuff. Yeah, yeah, he's hardcore into that. Yeah. Um, so for us, it was you know it's been a light month. Like last like we did that twelve videos, and you had videos out. You put out two different lore videos. I won't mm-hmm. say we're burned out because we're still doing Pantheon Plus U. We're still doing the rewind. You know, we're still doing a lot of stuff outside of that. Um, but, uh, thankfully Drac keeps pushing out content to kind of match up with us doing our weekly stuff here. Um, so he put out two more community profiles and I love these and, and the community is actually being really responsive to this too. We actually had somebody say, you know, talking about how the newsletters aren't on the website anymore. And one of the things that they really liked from the old newsletters was the community spotlights. And I was just reading it and somebody in that same chat said, Hey, well, Pantheon plus is kind of taking that reins over in that and starting to do, uh, you know, bigger highlights of community members. And it's awesome. And I just gave him a big thumbs up and I was like, Hey, thank you. That's like a really nice comment, but that's yeah. all Drac, like 110%. <laughs> you know, uh, I love that Drac's part of Pantheon plus, but he deserves all the credit in the world. Uh, he did one for S and um, and myself this week, um, which mm-hmm. both can be found on Pantheon plus on our YouTube page. Um, it's really fun to be a part of. It's very, it's very quick. Um, you go in, he asks you some questions, he records it, he puts it together for you. And then you got a profile out there. So if you're out there in the community listening, like hook up with Drac and get your name out there. Like it could be a Mm -hmm. fun little relic once we're all playing Pantheon to go back and listen to like, when you thought the game was coming out, what class you were going to play, like just to kind of go back and have that memory. Right. It's, it's really cool. Yeah. So I'm excited to, to progress on in our next section here, which we talk about like what's being worked on on the website or what are we working on? Um, well, our main backend developer has kind of just taken over the article project because it's been taking a while. There's been some hiccups. There's been some communication issues. It's really, it's been plagued quite a bit. And that's why it's taking so long to happen. And he just was like, I'm done with this. And he, he just jumped in and it is moving super fast. And that's Poiru, who's been around since day one. He's built the website from scratch, all that. 
but he's gotten uh, all the base mechanics working on our article system now. So writing, submitting, posting, reviewing, um, admins, uh, authorizing them for show, um, everything like that is pretty much fully complete. So like really right now we're at this stage of nitpicking how the visual output is, which it's, it's pretty good, but there's like really little things that I think should happen. So we're doing like these tweaks for visuals, which is pretty simple. Um, now he has a date in mind on when this is going to launch, but I don't want to throw that out there. So I'm going to say this, I would guess at the latest that the article submission should be available to the community by the end of the month. I really do believe that's going to be the case. Again, if I'm wrong, I'll admit it on the rewind here, but, um, I'm very excited for this and it's about time that we're delivering on it. So like to all those who've been looking to write articles or just read and comment and like that stuff, I just want to apologize. It's taking way longer than we thought it would to build this from scratch. But here's the thing. Like, why are we building this from scratch? Why are we not using like these other things? It's because when this is done, it's not just going to be important for people writing articles. It's going to be important for a lot of things that we're going to build. And the way we're building it, it's going to be a reusable tool across a few different things. So I'm really excited about this. You know, obviously, Drac is ready to write articles. We have Nefel with Pantheon Crafters jumping in, ready to write articles. So we're really excited that when we launch this, you're going to immediately be able to go in there, read some articles, comment on it, discuss with different people in the community. But then we encourage you to write articles. If you wanted to talk about something specific, if you wanted to tell a story, you know, if you wanted to do whatever you want to do, you know, fan fiction, we're excited to open that up to everybody. You don't have to be part of Pantheon Plus to be part of the community. And I'm excited for what that's going to mean. And, and we're closer than ever. I know I've said that a couple of times, but like we're real close. Like literally I wrote an article and posted it and approved it and took it down and did all that. Just cleaning up the output. And again, that shouldn't take us much longer. So I'm excited for that. Can't wait. Yeah. And finally, other news from us. So, um, you know, it's interesting. We try to do two Pantheon Plus U's a month. We always do the dev stream at the end. And, you know, I kind of talked um, last week about how, like, I kind of want to get more prepared with this, right? Um, so this month, we're going to be doing a topical Pantheon Plus U on uh, October 15th, so uh, this upcoming Thursday. And I'm going to be joined by fellow Pantheon Plus member, Drac. And we have a slightly different show idea where we're going to invite the community to come on to the green room and tell your favorite MMO stories. Like, we're going to do, like, a campfire episode, like... Tell your stories. Like, we want to know why you love MMORPGs. We want to hear, you know, some of the epic moments you've had or the heartbreak you've had. And of course, since it's always Pantheon themed, we'd love to hear how these memories or how they got you sort of interested in Pantheon and what you're most looking forward to. So this is going to be a very community-driven stream. Um, we're going to do some advertising during the week so we can hopefully get that green room rocking and rolling. But uh, join us October 15th, and we're all just going to kind of sit around, tell some stories, and, and chat as a community. And I, I hope you guys enjoy something a little different like that. But it was, again, an idea from Drac, and I think it'll be a lot of fun. So I don't know. Yeah, what do you think, so Derek? So come up with those stories, man. Start thinking about your, you've got some time to prepare. And I, I want to hear, I want to hear some really good ones because this is, this is like when you're at a you're camping and you're sitting around the campfire and you're having a drink or, you know, uh, it's night and it's like, you hear the, the crickets in the background. This is, you know, this is what the vibe is going to be. So I want to hear good MMO stories because that's, that's what this is all about. So looking forward to it. I think I might tell the stories of, uh, of how I got banned in EQ twice. <laughs> I'm thinking that I, 
Yeah, I think I've heard them, but I'd love yeah, to hear them again. <laughs> yeah, I've gone into, uh, in, in certain things, I've talked about them a little bit, but I think like just fully explaining them and talking through them would be a lot of fun. So we'll see. So check into that episode, little teaser, hear about how Minus got banned uh, twice in EverQuest. <laughs> um, and uh, I'll go into some of the details around it. It's kind of funny, but uh, and I'm sure Drac will have a story to tell, but come with your story. And hopefully, Therick, hopefully we get you on there and you can hear your story. Yeah, I'll come um, up with so it'd be a lot of fun. Hopefully, if you're in the community, come on, tell your story. Tell us why you're excited for Pantheon. Just a, kind of a fun get-together. But that's it for the uh, Pantheon.plus news, and uh, let's move on. Here's the mail. It never fails. It makes me want to wag my tail. When it gets here, I just yell, mail! We're getting sued. All right, so time for the mailbox. So uh, our first question this week comes from JJ, and he asks... After hearing that different weapons provide different bonuses when equipped, so he's referring to the uh, last uh, developer stream when they talked about uh, Dire Lord wielding a two-hander versus like two, uh, single-handed weapons and the crit chance versus crit damage. He asks, do you think we should have the ability to switch weapons while we're in combat? So Minus, you take this one first. What do you think? Mm. No. And Ooh. I know that that's probably weird and a lot of people think that I'd go the other way. I've thought about this a little bit. Um, I don't think you should be able to switch your weapons in combat. I think that having your weapon, uh, it's, I even want to start arguing with myself. (laughs) I don't know. I just don't like the mechanic of swapping weapons, I guess. I think that the gear you have on in the middle of a fight until you drop out of combat should be your locked in gear. And, And I can't get into a ton of reasons why. I just think that, like, I know um, Final Fantasy XI had a lot of, like, in-combat swapping of gear and items and weapons, and you'd swap and you'd do something, and then you'd swap. It's, I think that that becomes too tedious, and I think that that is... That becomes, like, making the meta way less mm-hmm. fun, in my opinion. Um, yeah. And, like, I'm not against meta, but that's, like, a... That's a tedious meta, and we're talking about having weights, so then, like, if the if the meta and the best thing you can do to be as strong as you want to be is, like, carry around all this gear and swap it here and then swap it for this, like, that's not fun. So I say lock in the gear that you're wearing, and uh, out of combat, you can change. That's interesting, yeah. No, I said yes, um, but I said there has to be a penalty for it. Um, so, like, if you swap your weapons, there should be, like, a... Th- you know, 30 seconds, who knows however long, but some sort of timed slow effect maybe is applied to you. Maybe a sort of a debuff to your attack rating if you were to do something like that, just a temporary one. I always think back to, you know, I've played a ton of, you know, single player RPGs based on D&D rules. And when you switch rep, switch weapons in traditional RPGs, you know, you always incurred some sort of penalty, whether it was, you know, your turn or your, you know, the time the, till your next attack got delayed. So, and actually, it sort of made me, this question made me think about, they've talked about, um, you know, I know Rangers in, in Pantheon, the idea when they uh, initially was that they were going to be weaving in and out of combat in between melee and ranged combat, which suggests, you know, switching weapons has already, has, has been a part of the design philosophy, um, you know, uh, going back a ways. Now, I don't know uh, what it is now and if there will be something that will, um, you know, apply uh, when you switch your weapons, if there's some sort of uh, penalty or anything like that, or if it's just sort of free for all, you're able to do it. Um, but I would I would say yes. I, I do like the idea of being able to um, switch it up sort of in real time. But um, it's yeah. It's interesting no, could, with the ranger piece. Like I almost wonder, like, can you have a range weapon and melee weapons equipped at the same time? Yeah. Um, it's, it's interesting because you brought up a good point there. I mean, I, 
I don't know why I'm so opposed to it because you would think that with everything I like to do, I would be for it. But there's I just have this weird inner feeling that I don't like it. it you know, it kind of makes me think of like the limited action set argument, right? Like, I think maybe if I and correct me if I'm wrong, but it's like it, it functions in the same way. You don't want to be able to switch your abilities in and out, you know, during combat. Like you're locked into the abilities you've chosen. So maybe it's the same idea as you're locked into the weapons you've chosen as a tactical decision. Yeah, yeah maybe that's it. <clears throat> okay, so next question comes from Gula Gulo. He says, uh, with your current schedule, what would be your ideal length of time to hit max level in Pantheon Rise of the Fallen? So <laughs> for me, my ideal timeline, people all laugh probably when I say this, but I'm, I'm long-term, man. Like I'm like 18 months, two years Oof. You know, I I can be, I know, <laughs> right? I knew you're going to say that. I have to allow for the fact that I have, you know, real life responsibilities and I'm going to be playing Pantheon more than I play any other game right now. And even with that, it's got to be longer because there's people who will play way more than I do and will spend way more time and we'll get there faster. So, you know, I, I, I just don't approach MMOs like this. I see max level as being like a byproduct of me just doing whatever I want to do anyway. So for me, it takes as long as it takes. It was a little bit, you know, hard to answer this question just because I don't really think of it like that. So I went, I went, you know, I went long on this one. So <laughs> probably not, probably not for you though, I would imagine. Well, it's funny because I was thinking like six months and I'm like, is six months too long? Should I say three <laughs> to four months? And then you hit me with the 18 months to two years. And I'm like, whoa, um, I'm not going <laughs> to lie that like if I could play at my pace and it would take me a year to hit max level, like that's kind of cool, right? Like as long as there's mm-hmm. enough content and I'm not just constantly killing, you know, like the same area for, you know, three months of that. Um, yeah. And that's kind of then where I start to say, nah, it's it's got to probably be three to four months, I think for me would be, you know, playing consistently, let's say, you know, four hours on day average, a couple days off a week. Um, you know, I'm going to play more than that on some days. I'm going to play less on some days. I'm going to play every day. Some days like, so mm-hmm. it's, it's really hard for me to say like what my time frame is going to be and all the times where I say I have to go to bed cause I have to get up from work and I don't. Um, but I'd probably <laughs> say like three months, three to four months to get to max level would be really kind of cool and allow me mm-hmm. to experience a lot, but it's really hard to answer. Like it's, it's too hard at this moment to really answer what would work. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Okay. Uh, the next one comes from John Wayne and this is a little bit related to what we were talking about earlier. It's, it's a sort of a similar idea, but he asked, what are your thoughts on being like a bounty hunter or mercenary type as a trade skill profession? Do you think it'd be a good alternative for those who don't want to do crafts necessarily, but, um, don't want to feel like they're missing out on the crafting part of the game. So, and he also asks specifically you minus, <laughs> would you pick this profession if it were actually something implemented in the game for immersion? He said immersion on purpose too. He did. Of course he did. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he knows. He knows what he's done. He knows. So you, what do you, what do you think? We, we already sort of answered this. If you have anything else about this. Yeah. I mean, uh, didn't Star Wars Galaxies have a bounty hunter system? And it was actually, yeah, a lot of people did. talked about it being pretty cool. Um, I, I'm not a Star Wars guy, so I never played that. Um, I don't know. It, it sounds more to me like some kind of like quest than a profession. I don't know. I, would I go kill people for money? Yes. Yeah, yeah <laughs> I mean, that's right. Would I kill people for money? I certainly would. Yeah, I mean, for money and loot, <laughs> would I go funny. kill people? Yes. Um, I'm going to do that all the time anyway. So <laughs> will I go kill a specific one? Sure, of course. Yeah. yeah. It's very it's very rogue-esque, right? And that yeah. was my sort of answer to this question was, you know, like, like we said earlier, differentiate it from adventuring. What if you were limited to like only using stealth, and it had to be somebody you had like negative faction with, right? So you this so year, if you got 
So you're, you were tasked with, you know, uh, your profession was elf killer or elf <laughs> hunter. You know, I'm sure you'd love that. But what if it was like a contract for like a thrown fast guard or, and then regardless of level, like level didn't play into it like you would with adventuring, right? If it was just a matter of, there was no experience or loot, the only result was the contract. Well, now you're hurting if there's no loot, but I get what you're saying. Yeah. <laughs> contract, contract gives me loot maybe. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Except, and except when you betray the person who gave you the contract and kill them to take their loot. So, hmm. which would inevitably happen. Yes. Will I kill people for money? Yes. Yes, that's right. Easy answer. Okay, Even next Farrick, one. Just the price <laughs> is good. I thought it was your only elven friend. How can you kill your only elven friend? You'll have no elven friends after that. Exactly. <laughs> wait a minute. No, wait a minute. Don't say that. that that's, that's exactly what he wants. Okay. <laughs> next question is from Tech Ninja. He says, how often as a player character do you expect it to enter different atmospheres and climates. How do you think that will affect your goals as a player? I really like this question um, just because I like atmospheres and climates a lot. And I think that, you know, they're going to lean into this aspect of, in Pantheon and they've talked a lot about it. Wouldn't be surprised basically if you have to start working like right, uh, right away when you start a new character towards getting acclimation uh, early on in your character's life. You know, I think it will lead to some interesting goals too, especially like within guilds where you're going to want to have certain roles that are heavily acclimated for certain climates. So when you talk about, when, when he asks about goals, you know, um, they're going to be shaped by the needs of your guild. Uh, like if your guild wants to do a, do an Amber Fate run, you know, and then do a camp, uh, some spawn in Amber Fate, you're going to need to have that acclimation um, so that you can survive there. So yeah, I think it's going to be something that we see a lot of, and I think it is going to have a big shaping effect on your, uh, on your goals as a player. What about you? What do you think? Yeah. I mean, you hit the nail on the head about the whole, um, like you have to, like they want to introduce players to climates, like and atmospheres at a pretty early level. So like, it's, it's not just something that happens for end game. Like it's actually part of the game in the world. So I'd like to see it happen pretty often because they've even said that there'll be certain, you know, atmospheres that, or I'm sorry, or climates that you get acclimated to and they really don't have much effect on you anymore. And, and that, right. and it doesn't get stronger. There's just a different one later, right? So I kind of like that you'll go through your life like where something's scary when you're young, but then once you're stronger, it's kind of like, huh, you know, you kind of laugh at it. And I think it's yeah. a great way to hide certain areas of zones. I think that it stops you from being able to go see certain things until you're ready for it. Um, and it leaves this mystery. So I, I would personally really like to see them very often. Um, mm-hmm. I think they should be a, a really big staple of the game that you, that they're, they're present. You're not always in them, but you know of their presence and they're nearby and you have options around them. Like, I like that part of it. Yeah. Yeah. I like that too. That's a good way of looking at it. Um, so the next one is coming from a new, uh, new, uh, questioner, a mailbag participant for the rewind. It's uh, from Shockey. Um, he had a technical question. I think you probably are better equipped to answer this than I am because you know more details about the class skills and that kind of thing. He asked about enchanters and he says he knows they get a form of clarity and it's going to be directly t- related to increasing the rate of mana return. Um, or he asks, will it be used, be able to be used to enhance power generations for tanks or other classes? So he's thinking about like the, you know, uh, each, whatever it is. The yeah, like uh, endurance or endurance, essence, or yeah, yeah. yeah that kind of stuff, um, uh, momentum for rangers kind of thing. He says, or is there an ability skill that would provide a similar function from a different class? I kind of looked at the the Enchanter page when I was trying to answer this question ahead of time, um, and I don't think there is, but do you know of anything like that, Minus? Oh, man. Um, There, and and I I don't 
remember exactly, but there is another class that does have something that helps people with uh, resource regeneration. Okay. Yeah, um, exactly and I really wish I could remember what it was. Um, and I feel horrible that I can't right now. I wanted oh, wow. to say it was <laughs> like, um, like it's not, but it was like a paladin, like, it's something like that from one of the classes. I, again, I apologize. I don't remember which one it is, but let me say this on it. Um, I think personally because they've they've changed a lot of what's available to us right now is definitely confirmed spells and let's keep in mind that a lot of the old spells are probably going to get reconfirmed and show back up whether they're reworked rewarded or whatever they are but here's what i would tell you i think that the enchanter personally should be strictly mana i think that the enchanter should really empower um you know casters and then help with cc i think that resource regeneration um, would be a great thing to build the bard around. Um, yeah, right. So like, I think that even though I know that there are some classes that have something that helps with uh, regeneration of resources, um, I do think that that would be a great way to start building the bard. So that's what I'd like to see. Um, but I do believe that we're only going to have enchanters really focused on the mana side of the business, but right. I could be wrong. Yeah, no, that that's a great answer. Yeah, for sure. I hadn't even thought of the bard, but you're totally right. Um, and then our last uh, mailbag question actually comes from uh, Twitter, which is uh, you put that out early in the week asking <laughs> for people to ask questions on Twitter. So I, I had to take the only one we got, <laughs> and he it's a very simple question, which I can I can answer for him. It's from Coach uh, MV Castro, uh, who actually was in the earlier Twitter section yeah. as well. This question was, "How can I start playing?" Well, here's, said, here's hey, the funny part because this is obviously sarcasm right I from him. I know. A troll. Yeah, yeah. It is but. for sure. But I but I figured, you know what? I'm going to turn it into an actual <laughs> answer because, you know, I don't uh, that's that's how I deal with that kind of stuff. So, you know what? I'm just going to let him know you can't actually play it right now because it's in pre-alpha <laughs> testing. The next session is actually going to be announced at the end of October, which they put on their website. So, uh, if you want to test, you can pledge to the level that will allow you to do that. But for now, the only game we have to play is the waiting game. So, you know, I, there, there, you got an answer for your question. So I feel like that- I should splice in the Ben Dean just to remind <laughs> you that Pantheon MMO is a crowdfunded game would be a great ad- addition right now to this. Yeah. Uh, but <laughs> you know, what I was going to say is coach, you know, there's this new round table that hit that really talks about <laughs> pledges. Maybe check that out. <laughs> Oh, that is great. Why did I think of that? Oh, great answer. Okay. Great answer. I'm just okay. naturally really witty and sarcastic to the point that gets me in trouble a lot. But uh, no, it's still fun to kind of poke at it and him poke at us. So that's an all in good fun, coach. That's um, right. Exactly. Well, everybody, that's it for the mailbox. That's it for this episode of the Rewind. In, in Theric, as we said before, there is no more segments. That's all for so I really oh, hope you oh, didn't oh, think. Is the game is the game over? Oh, the game is I, over. I thought we were still going on. What's going on? Oh, I'm going to go on the sideline. I'm going to throw my tablet at the coach and yell at yeah, some people. Yeah, just don't yell at me as your teammate, but you can yell at Draken now. <laughs> there's Neff, there's, there's, they're probably the ones to blame for this. But uh, everybody, thank you for listening to another episode of The Rewind. As always, we love having you here. We hope you enjoyed watching this with us live or whether you're streaming it on iTunes or Spotify. Please give us feedback. Please uh, let us know if you have any questions you want us to answer. Be a part of the show. That's what this is all about. And uh, Theric, thanks again for another great show. We will see you guys next week. Cheers, everyone. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Pantheon Plus Rewind. Be sure to follow Minus and all Pantheon Plus related content on Twitter, Twitch, and YouTube under the name Pantheon Plus. 
Also, be sure to follow Theric at Pantheon Theric on Twitter. Keep up to date on all Pantheon Rise of the Fallen information on www.pantheon.plus, the definitive source for all media of Pantheon. Until next time.